Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your Chakra Coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello, everybody. How are you? I hope that you are well. This is episode 94 of Your Chakra Coach, and that seems absolutely wild to me. I, <laughs> I could not have imagined in January of 2020 when I started this that we'd still be going strong and that we would be building this community so dedicated to personal growth and improving the world. I'm really impressed and completely in awe of all of you. And every week we welcome new people as well. So if that's you, thank you so much for being here. 94 puts us startlingly close to 100. So I want to do a couple fun and special things as we head toward what I consider to be a pretty big milestone. So first, for the next few weeks, and if you're listening to these episodes when they come out, it's October 2021. So for the next few weeks, Your Chakra Coach is being brought to you by a clothing brand that my sister works as an independent rep for, and it's Zaya Active. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's pretty much all I buy anymore for my workouts. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I am into all kinds of physical activity, Uh, yoga, strength training, indoor cycling. I know it's not for everyone, and certainly not everyone enjoys it, but it's an important part of my life. Yoga, asana poses classes are particularly important for my spiritual journey for two reasons. The movement itself is kind of a moving meditation that helps me to quiet my mind, but also the poses are designed to help keep our bodies healthy and fit so that we can sit in meditation. That's really why yoga, the exercise, was designed, not for a look or to make your body contort into a million weird positions, but to keep our spines hips, knees, and all that in good shape so that we can sit comfortably for long periods of time with our breath. So that's a a bit of a digression, but the point is that I wear these clothes primarily for working out, but they also have um, lounge around the house wear or walk your dog first thing in the morning wear, which I absolutely wear it for too. Anyway, this month, my sister has offered to sponsor the show, and part of that will be giveaways and prizes and such. So all you have to do to be a part of it is follow your chakra coach on Instagram. That's where all the info will be, including pictures of me and some of my favorite Zaya stuff. I don't love posting pictures of myself since this show is about you, but it's cute and you might like seeing it. So be sure to join your your chakra coach on Instagram for all the fun. This week, we are back to our series on the yamas. 
We covered the first three of five already. As a reminder, these yamas are part of the Ashtanga yoga system. Yoga being the union of all things, not a class or poses on a mat. That's part of it, but not the whole thing. The yamas are ethical practices that help us understand how to interact with the world while we are discovering our true nature. True nature is a phrase that shows up a lot in ancient texts. Well, it's a, it's a translation of a phrase in ancient texts anyway. And the idea is that our true nature is being at peace, one with the universe. No separation from each other, from nature, from all the energy in the world and beyond. It can be hard to wrap our heads around, at least for me it is, because my mindset is more dualistic, like there's me and there's other, and I can work to be in harmony with other. And a lot of these texts say that there is no other to be in harmony with because we are everything. It takes a lot of intellectual inquiry on my part to start to understand that, and then I remember that intellectual inquiry is what creates separation. So that's getting pretty deep into it, but just know that these yamas, this part, this one part of the eight limbs of yoga, help prepare our hearts and minds and souls to experience oneness, cosmic connection. We covered ahimsa, nonviolence, satya, truthfulness, and asteya, non-stealing. Today, we'll take a closer look at brahmacharya. And if you've studied the yamas at all, you know that this one gets a little touchy for a lot of people. And that's because one of the translations of brahmacharya is celibacy. Now, before, <laughs> before you start getting anxious or aggravated, I'm not here to tell you to start leading a celibate life or you'll never be one with the universe. You certainly could if that speaks to you, but I think for most modern people, that's not realistic. And truthfully, it wasn't for ancient people either, or the species wouldn't still be here, right? It's a common translation, but like so many things, it's too simple and the nuance gets lost. Fortunately, there have been great teachers for generations that can help us understand this yama and how to apply it to our lives. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. The literal translation of brahmacharya is walk with God, or as literal as it gets anyway, because there's not an exact translation, but Remember what I was saying earlier about the oneness of all in this tradition? God isn't some external being necessarily. Certainly, what you believe is up to you, but for the purposes of this conversation, we're looking at the divine, the godliness in all of us. 
I'll be the first to say that the concept of God I was raised with makes me uncomfortable when I think about this whole thing. For me, it feels very punishing, not supportive. If that's you too, maybe we can take a deep breath together and agree to be curious and interested in this interpretation instead of just dismissing it right away. So, what on earth does walk with God mean? And over the years, I've heard lots of different expressions, but the one that resonates with me is simply remembering the sacredness and the oneness of all things, being humble and aware. And this encourages me to practice non-excess, which is a lovely way to think about brahmacharya. Non-excess of any material good or behavior. Moderation, the middle way, only engaging with things in ways that are healthy and helpful. And this is where we might find an acceptable answer to the celibacy question. Are our sexual practices serving us? Are they bringing us joy or pain? Are we using them to cover pain? Are we creating pain or love in the world? And honestly, this is such a personal topic. I I can't even begin to answer those questions for you. But when we practice brahmacharya, our actions bring us closer to the divine, not farther away. Non-excess in other realms is an excellent practice as well overindulging in food of any kind, not even just unhealthy food, can make us feel terrible. Now, admittedly, it is harder to overindulge in like a salad or something, but the idea is the same. Instead of mindlessly consuming whatever we want, we spend time remembering the sacredness, the oneness of where our food comes from, being grateful for the plants and animals that provide our meals, to the people who raise those plants and animals, to the people who get our food from the farm, to the grocery store, to our homes, to the preparation of the food, slowing down a bit to really notice how what we're eating is affecting us. On the other end of the spectrum, while fasting can be a solid physical and spiritual practice, excess fasting, not eating at all, can damage our organs, can create mental strain and emotional distress. We can incorporate most things into our lives when we engage with them intentionally. And to me, for most modern people, that's the spirit of brahmacharya. It doesn't have to be the things we consume, either. It can be the things that we collect or simply have in excess. Material goods. Retail therapy, we call it. Buying things to make ourselves feel better. To feel something. To have that momentary thrill of acquiring something new. Not because we need it, but because it's gratification. Do I need another pair of mid-calf, medium-heeled brown boots? No, no, I don't. I don't even really want them. What I want is the sense of fulfillment that they give me for that moment. 
most American houses and maybe houses in the rest of the world too, but the bulk of my experience is in the U.S., so that's what I can speak to. But so many American houses are just filled with things. We don't even know what half of them are. How many people do you know that have unpacked boxes from a move five years ago? Maybe you do. And it isn't that we don't want those things. We do. But clearly, they are excess in our lives. As some of you may remember, I moved earlier this year. We cleared out a lot of stuff, gave it away because we'd been living in the throes of excess for over a decade in our last house. And I know that it's a beautiful thing to be able to afford what you want when you want it. I'm not, I'm not even really talking about very expensive things. You know, as we were giving things away, I I couldn't help but think that we have an entire industry dedicated to giving our things away. An empire built on teaching us to get rid of things that aren't bringing us joy. Multiple times this year, we waited in a line to give unwanted items away to an organization that might sell them, might throw them away, might ship them somewhere else. I don't know for sure what they do, but there's so much excess that I don't care. I just want rid of it. And if I practice brahmacharya in this way, by only taking what I need, not hoarding, not hoping that things will fill up my life, I won't have to do that again. I told you brahmacharya is tricky, but if we take it back to walk with God, we might see that it's connection to our true nature, to each other, to whatever you consider divine. It's connection that brings fulfillment, not having excess material goods. Here's something else I think we have excess of, stimulation. And (laughs) and while I think that those ancient sages who compiled this wisdom knew about stimulation, It's hard to imagine they would have anticipated what we're going through in terms of stimulation. From the moment we get up in the morning, we have phones and TV and radio and music and sounds of civilization, traffic and construction, leaf blowers, lawnmowers, emails, computers, phones, social media, lights and sounds and things demanding our attention until we can hardly hear ourselves think. And when we do... We don't even really want to hear our own thoughts because that's its own kind of scary. We are overstimulated. And yes, I know podcasts fall into that category. (laughs) We talked a few weeks ago about social media, the news, and overwhelm. And this is part of that. Just so much stuff. And some people are wired to handle it really well. Some people even think they thrive in it. I don't know how true that is, but if you feel that way, great. You're probably still overstimulated, even if that's just an incredible amount of conflicting information that gets thrown your way every day. It is so much, and our brains struggle to keep up. We might consider part of our ethical practice of the yamas to occasionally reduce our stimulation, reduce our sensory input. 
close your eyes, or drive to work without music, or a podcast. Look at screens less, any kind of screen. Turn your attention inward for a minute. See if you can find a day when you don't have to be anywhere or do anything and avoid the clock. No constant rush or stress to follow a schedule. We pack our lives full of things, maybe unavoidable things, but also some things that we don't have to do. Things we do for fun or maybe just because we think we should do them. Listen, I love a schedule. I love the feeling of being productive and getting things done, but that's its own form of excess. And that's me walking with a construct, an idea that's not my own, a requirement put on me by society that I contribute to every time I'm so proud of myself for getting a lot done today. That's not me walking with God. That's not me taking time to find the divine, the sacred in life. (laughs) Have I mentioned that I struggle with this yama? And I don't even consider myself an excessive person. Generally, I think I'm fairly simple, but that's the thing about the yamas. They don't want us to just think generally. This is a framework for deep consideration, deep contemplation of our relationship with the world. Where can we practice restraint? The kind of restraint that peels back the layers and allows us to experience the world and our place in it for what it truly is. Not masking it, not wishing it was some way that it isn't, but to really see what's what and then determining what needs a change. Because when we see reality, what is, how we really are, that's when we can start to affect real change. Whether that's in ourselves, our relationships, our health, our environment, our behavior, our connection to the universe, our walking with God. When we practice brahmacharya and all the yamas, really, we start to strip away what's unnecessary and discover what's important. What's important on a fundamental level. We experience simple pleasures, which, which is so cliche, but the more I study, the more I give myself over to the spiritual path, the more I realize how true it is. Simple pleasures, not excess, are going to create that peace that we crave. I'm not, I'm not trying to call anyone out here, but how much of the drama in our lives do we create for the sole purpose of feeling something? Work and stress, some of it's real for sure, but in some corner of our mind, does it give us a sense of importance, like things would fall apart without us? Relationship drama, does it help us feel amped up and righteous, like we can go tell our friends how high thinking we are and how not that our partners are. And there are levels to these things. Again, it isn't that our feelings and our experiences aren't real to us. 
And there are absolutely injustices in the world that we can and should and want to get upset about. The practice of non-excess just asks us to really understand which those are and which aren't. Do we walk with God? Do we walk in trust or do we walk in fear? And do we let our fear lead us to excessive outside things to fill us up? Excessive anything. If it's excessive, then by definition we don't need it. But it can be hard to stop because the little dose of reward our brain gives us when we get something is really appealing, sometimes addictive. We just want to keep doing it. And if we're desperately seeking a feeling, it might be because we're not in touch with the subtle feelings that we already have because we've become so accustomed to the excessive swings that now they feel normal and exciting. Unlike so many of the yamas, it can be <laughs> it can be a little uncomfortable to really look inside and see where we're not practicing brahmacharya, the practice of non-excess. As I mentioned, a simple common translation is celibacy, but the practice can be so much more. Most of us like to think of ourselves as giving more than we're taking, or at least being even. But when we're excessive in any area of our lives, that balance gets off and we don't feel right. We might have moments of feeling good, that artificial high, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely looking for something deeper. So this week, I encourage you, all of us actually, me too, to look at where we might not be practicing brahmacharya. Where can we pull back a little so that real joy, real growth, real happiness, real peace can show itself? Remember to follow your chakra coach on Instagram this week to be a part of the Zaya Active event. You might win some fun stuff. Hopefully it won't contribute to your excess. I hope you have an amazing day filled with simple pleasures and kindness. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.